Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim waiting for Wayne. <laughs> guys, guys, guys. This week, two, two from from as we record this, two work days until ManCon 2016. Whoop, and let whoop. me tell you, let me tell you, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got I got my dice ready and I got my phaser handy. Well, I said I had it handy, but it didn't fire. It's still not firing. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the phaser is not ready. <laughs> the, everything's ready but the phaser, but I am ready for John's Far Trek game. I am, I am super excited for ManCon. And the only thing that tempers that excitement for ManCon is the fact that we lost Prince this week. Mm. That really, I got to tell you, that, that bums me out. Yeah, yeah, he, he would have he made a good addition to the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I've totally heard he was would. a really weird dude, so I don't know. Like I, like, I, I've heard the same thing about everyone. Everybody of you. That's right. You're like you're not sharing that cabin with twelve other really weird dudes. <laughs> He'd have fit right in. <laughs> but you know, I, I I was standing in a comic book shop on Thursday when I heard the news. This guy comes walking in to the Sidekick store, which is uh, the outlet discount store owned by Austin Comics. And uh, this guy comes walking and goes, Prince died. And people are turning around looking at him, and I'm like, and, and they're, they're all talking like, really, Prince died, Prince died. And I'm like, are we talking about the artist formerly known as? And he's like, yeah. And I, I really, I thought he was fucking with us. I thought there was a punchline coming. Because, I mean, how does Prince die? Uh <laughs> That just blew my so, mind. That just blew so my mind. So my, my comic book shop guy was telling me a story about uh, years ago. They, he was hanging out with a friend, and they were, you know, it was a kind of a party. And someone turned on the music and said, Prince died. It was like 1997. And he's like, what are you talking about? Prince died. And, he, and then he's like, no, no, Princess Die died. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And they turned the music back up. <laughs> Like we thought we had a serious situation. Right. For yeah. I was about to end this party. <laughs> he, he didn't make 1999. Son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. That, ain't, that ain't cool. That ain't cool at all. Yeah. No, there's been. Oh, everybody's losing. Yeah, there's been a lot. Like my house has been nothing but YouTube Prince videos on the smart TV. Yeah. My wife, it's my wife's taking it not so good. Well, and I, I and I, I will say one of the one of the even sadder things about the death of Prince is that it's made me aware of a song that he did that I'd never heard of before called Donald Trump Black Version, uh, <laughs> which which is now in my head, <laughs> and I can't get it out. I've not heard this. Uh -huh. I don't know that I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Check YouTube. <laughs> it, it is uh, – it's something. I think, it I, I think it should be Donald Trump's uh, campaign theme song. But, but just saying, you know, I uh, I've been a huge fan of Prince for you know, since I was a kid, uh -huh. and uh, so it was it was it's it, it's sad it's sad that he's gone and it's sad that he went out with kind of like such a whimper. You know, you see Prince, he lives this huge flamboyant life, and then it's like, oh well, hey, Prince died in his elevator in his home. Like, oh, he didn't die like surrounded by three hundred women, yeah, or blowing up a building or anything. No, no. No, I, well, you know, I always get a little freaked out when somebody, you know, with the resources Prince has dies of something silly, you know. I mean, you just you just feel like he's going to Howard Hughes it and, you know, live forever, uh, you, you know, but it's just weird. Yeah, just yeah weird. it's a shame. It is a shame. He's extremely talented, and, uh, you know, he 
I've seen in articles where they say that he defies genre, and he does. I mean, you know, none of his albums are the same. You know, he he. De- you can't say that Prince has a sound because his sound was always evolving. I want to say this. I want to cut this off, Wayne. If, you, if the next words out of your mouth is "Who is Prince?" Just bite, <laughs> just bite your goddamn tongue, okay? Yeah. Just no, don't say I, I know who Prince is. I'm just not a fan. All right. Uh, the I did like. I really liked uh, the Batman soundtrack from the 1989 Batman movie. There's a couple of songs on there I like a lot, but other than that, I'm just not a fan. Uh, so you're while, the other while, one. I was gonna say, <laughs> while that opinion is wrong, it is not a felony like what I think you were gonna say. So that's fine. When I was in high school, I guess, uh, and I was working as a an usher at the movie theater, Purple Rain came out. And uh, the movie was huge, huge. And everybody wanted to see it, and it was a rated R film. And so all the little teenagers wanted to get in. But, of course, you know, mom and dad weren't taking them to see it, so they were trying to sneak in and whatnot. And we were checking uh, IDs at the door to the theater. So, I mean, you could have had a ticket – but if you, you know, weren't 17 or older, you couldn't get in. And so, you know, there I am checking IDs, and it's me and this other guy, uh, Brent Shellhorse, and uh, these two uh, teenage girls come up. And, uh, you know, I said, I need to see your ID. And, and they're like, oh, we don't have our ID. And so one of them flips her skirt up, you know, to show me another form of ID. And I'm like, go on in. <laughs> and, and Brent's like, <laughs> Brent immediately follows behind her. I need to see your ID, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Prince. <laughs> Aaron, that might be the most awesome story you've ever told. <laughs> no, it's good, though. <laughs> it's up there. And it was topic relevant. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, I used to, you know, as a, you know, Paul, you worked at a movie theater. So, you know, you'd always find time yes. to get into the theater at your favorite parts of the movie. Right. And so yeah, like I mean, during Titanic, I worked at the theater when Titanic came out. And so it was always the car scene, right? Uh, no, it was the, 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 the sketching scene. The car scene was, was lame. Right. Well, the car scene was just steamy. But, uh, yes, where she's where she's, uh, you know, nude in the in the uh, the sketching scene. Well, right. I would always slip into the theater where Apollonia is being purified in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> <laughs> Good scene. <laughs> So. And Titanic was out in the theaters for like six months too. Yeah. So I mean, so, so I, I, you were drawing that sketch on your own, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, I can draw from memory <laughs> still. Well, Prince, we're gonna miss you. I, you know, I, I wore out my tape of uh, Purple Rain. Wore that thing out. Yeah. Well, and you know, he was a comic book fan, so we're one down. How do we know yes. that he was a comic book fan? Oh, he has been for years. That's why he did the Batman soundtrack. Oh, I did not know that. I just thought, yeah. you know. And he had some comics that he wrote. And yeah, big comic book fan, Prince. I was unaware of this. Thank you. Learned something new today. Huh. That's crazy. Tim, were you more upset by Prince dying or by China dying? Uh, Prince dying. China's been dying a slow death for like 10 years. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Am I, I figured that one might hit you too. Am I remembering correctly that she did a little porn too? In addition oh, yeah. to you, the, yes. Okay. Yes. She did One Night in China, Another Night in China, and then she's in the Avengers porn parodies as, as She-Hulk. She 
That's what yeah. I thought. That's what I, I, I was trying to. I was trying to to tell a friend that I'm like, I want to say She-Hulk, but of course I've not seen any of this stuff, so I, I guess I need to get, sure. get get caught up on my porn. I will no, tell you, no, you no, 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 no. You don't need to see that. You <laughs> no, you're, you're good missing that porn. Well, it I is saw, disturbing. I saw. You cannot even see it. I saw on uh, Instagram. Uh, Michael from Zero Fortitude has a picture of his daughter, you know, cheering on China because China was like her favorite lady wrestler. And I'm just like, wasn't she doing the porn? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of amuses me. Well, she wasn't cheering her on while she was doing it. Well, she wasn't cheering on the porn. She wasn't cheering on the porn. At least I don't believe she was. I believe she was cheering on the wrestling. Ah, Well, yeah, same thing. So. So, Paul... So we haven't podcasted in a couple weeks. Well, and and you know, you tell us that you know you, you're you're going off to do some sort of run thing, and I want to know what you're running away from, Paul. That's what I want to know. Perhaps I'm running us. too, Aaron. No, Perhaps no, I'm running. No. I think you're running away from something, and I'd like to. Hmm. We'd like this. This is <laughs> Paul. This is your intervention. <laughs> you know, and, and the funny part is Juanita said something very similar. It's like Paul brings a friend. Paul, Paul brings a friend all the way to Florida and then tries to run away from them. Yeah. That's basically, <laughs> basically what she said. Well, to be fair, I brought my parents too, so that could be your answer. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this past weekend, and, and it is relevant to our podcast-ish, um, because I ran the Star Wars The Dark Side um, in, in the Star Wars The Dark Side half marathon weekend. I ran uh, a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon um, this past weekend, so that's why we were unable to podcast. Uh, but it was down in Walt Disney World, and it was a blast. They had all these characters um, – you know, they had like official characters like from Disney. So they had Darth Maul and Captain Phasma and BB-8, and I took pictures with all of them. And then there were cosplayers running the race and along the course cheering you on. So, I mean, it was a it was a really really cool experience. But, and but didn't a stormtrooper deny you the right to take a picture with him? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so you know, they have these first order stormtroopers, and they're supposedly on patrol. And so I'm like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And he says. Sorry, not while I'm on patrol. And, like, they wouldn't let anyone take pictures with them. I'm like, then why are you out here? <laughs> like, you, you have to understand that everyone is going to try to take a picture with you because you're in a Stormtrooper outfit and you're in Disney World. I understand you're in character. That being said, take a picture. But they refused. <laughs> you're, you're I like Kylo Ren took a picture with me. Well, you know, he, he's so photogenic. <laughs> he is that guy. And he was, I mean, he was very, very cordial with me. He says, hey, you know, uh, you want to join the dark side? And I'm like, yeah, it's a good idea. He's like, think about it. Take a night, think on it, and get back to me. Then kill your dad. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> so, you know, we're standing outside of, you know, they have these expos for a lot of these bigger runs where you go. And there are a whole bunch of – it's basically a running convention, right? But you can also pick up your, your, your T-shirts and your bibs and things like that that you run with. And so – um, at the convention, they're showing scenes from the Star Wars movies on the giant screen, and I'm watching it. And you know, they're showing Kylo Ren, um, you know, without his mask. A spoiler warning, just in case. Without his mask on the bridge, talking to Han Solo, and I'm like, are they going to spoil this fucking scene? <laughs> like, there are some people who haven't seen the movie. That's their problem. Yes, yeah, but point. I don't think they it were is. there. I don't think they were there, Paul. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Because I'm watching it, and, I, and sure enough. 
they showed the whole scene, you know, lightsaber through the stomach, falling down the shaft. I'm like, and then they cut it immediately. So it was like intentional. Like they were just going to show that spoiler scene and then move to the next clip. So, yeah, that's not right. But but it was it was, you know, you're, you're surrounded by. I think they said that one of the race, it was like 20 something thousand people um, doing this thing. Wow. And you could tell, I mean, it was jam packed to the point where there were some sections that were just wall to wall people and you couldn't run, which I mean, if you're doing a run in Disney World, you're not there to get a, you know, you're not there to run fast. You're there to to have a good time, take pictures with all the characters and that kind of thing. Um, But I mean, and then a ton of people are walking it and just having a good time. And it was it was a blast. I'm really glad I did it. It was the first um, the inaugural Dark Side Half Marathon. And uh, I would definitely do it again. Uh, I think you know they're they're making it. They're going to try to make it an annual event. They've already scheduled next year's. So you'll go back and do the other half. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've got this, Paul. As a non-runner, how long is a half marathon? So uh, a half marathon is thirteen point one miles, but there is a five k that is three miles and a ten k which is six miles. And you know if you, if you are a non-runner, I would recommend doing one of those. And as long as you can walk at least 16 minutes a mile, which I will tell you is not that hard, um, you are just fine. Um, I had a number of friends down there walking uh, the run and having a great time. So, Paul, you know, you did some Star Wars runs in California last year. Do, Do these things sync up? Is there some, you know, synergy between them? Well, I did the Avengers run, but they do have a Star Wars run in California, and the Star Wars run in California is the light side oh, was of the there, Star Wars run. Was there in, not one in, that you did when you were in Anaheim? I'm sorry. I, th- I just thought – Oh, no. That, no, it is. Uh, but the one in Anaheim was uh, based on the Avengers. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, they do, have a, they do have a Star Wars run. It's in January, but that's uh, Star Wars the light side. So, so the one in, in, in Florida, other than BB-8 – all the other characters to take pictures with were, were villains, you know, Kylo Ren, Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, Boba Fett, Jabba the Hutt. Whereas in California, it's all the good guys, you know, Luke and the Rebels and and characters like that. So it, it was it was a really, really good time. If you're a Star Wars fan, um, you know, you, I, I recommend checking one of these things out because, I mean, it, it's kind of like going to a Star Wars convention with 20,000 other people, and half of them are in some type of costume running this race. So, so you know, it's like cosplay all over the place. So BB-8 was at the dark side thing. Hmm. Hmm, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Look out. Look out <laughs> for the next Star Wars movie, because uh, I, think, I think we're going to see BB-8 join the dark side. He's just got a hidden lightsaber in there. BB-8, Sith Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're curious about it, check out the videos. We've got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ideology of madness. Well, it sounds like they're super successful. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they all sold out. So, I, you know, if you're interested, check it out. Uh, I think registration opens, I don't know, later this year. But I would recommend checking it out on registration day if you want to try to get in. Less successful, though, appears to be the Wizard World franchise of conventions, which lost over $4 million last year. And which is surprising because they uh, netted the gain of a million dollars the year prior. So uh, one wonders, you know, is the market shrinking for conventions or is just Wizard World not managing their business well? Well, I think there's a couple things, particularly with Wizard World. They don't have any of the comic book companies. So like Marvel doesn't have a booth. DC doesn't have a booth. 
Xenoscope doesn't show up anymore. They don't do any announcements there because none of the comic book companies are there. So, I mean, a lot of the spectacle of, you know, pop culture is there, but they don't actually have any major support from any of the publishers. I know that, you know, I haven't been to a Wizard World in a couple of years since it moved out of DFW and down to Austin here in Texas. Uh, but, you know, they had very much branded themselves as a pop culture convention and not necessarily a comic book convention. So like you're saying, they had a lot of the comic book resellers there, but really uh, very little presence from publishers. Now, when I was there, they did have, I want to say, uh, Aspen Comics was there. Uh, there was a DC presence. And I said the DC presence was not that DC had a booth, but they had their lead marketing guy, Bob Wayne, there who, you know, gave a presentation. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not like it, there, it was a news-heavy convention. It wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't something that they were going to reveal something that you hadn't heard before. Yeah, the first time, first year they brought it to St. Louis, Xenoscope and Aspen were both here, but they haven't come back. Yeah. And they, they'll go to other conventions, but they won't come to Wizard World. And when I look at the big convention for Wizard World, it really, being so pop culture, it depends on who they get for stars. Sure. So last year, the crowd wasn't anywhere near the size because they had nobody from Doctor Who at all. This yeah, year, the crowd was huge again. My experience with Wizard World is um, that they pump up their attendance numbers. And I know probably all conventions do that, you know, to, to build the excitement. But I remember walking around Wizard World and they said, sold out convention. There's not an inch left in the dealer room. And you'd walk and you'd see these blank tables where no one's there. You know, and yeah, I mean, I suppose it's possible that somebody bought the table and didn't show up, but there were a whole lot of empty tables. Yeah, so there's there's what they put in the press release, and then there's what's really going on. And so you that, know, I, that loss okay. is maybe a little bit larger than they're letting on. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, for me, I think the thing about Wizard World is they have stepped up their game as far as celebrity guests. Um, you know, they, they, at least it seems like in this fourth quarter or whatever, you know, in recent months, they have they certainly have stepped up their 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 celebrity guests. But at the same time, you know, they bring these people and they've brought in, you know, Chris Evans or, um, you know, the, the guy who plays Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth and and all these different characters. But at the same time, it's so goddamn expensive to even look at them. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'm looking at you know I'm looking at some prices right now, right? Um, John Bernthal, seventy five dollars. David Duchovny, one hundred dollars. Charlie Cox from Daredevil is seventy five dollars, and I'm like, dude, you're Daredevil. You've had two seasons of a TV show. Like, see, seventy five dollars? Are you kidding me? Mitch you know, Pilecki, and, Skinner. From and then X when they do their actual booths, or not their booths, when they do their actual uh, panels. Those sometimes, if you're not one of their VIPs of that particular star, you're not getting in. Right. So like David Tennant, you know, there was no way to see David Tennant unless you bought the David Tennant VIP experience for like five hundred dollars. Yeah, and that's that's one of my gripes about the celebrities. Like, you know, I have been to a number of conventions where Stan Lee is, but you couldn't even get in the room with Stan Lee unless you know you bought the Stan Lee experience. Excelsior. Um, <laughs> is that what your credit card said when you charged it? <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, there, there was a day, you know, when you could go to a convention and you could just see the star, <laughs> you know, you could just see the celebrity. He'd, they'd host a panel and, you know, you could be in the room with them. Um, 
there's something unseemly to me about that. I remember uh, being at Wizard World one time, and I forget the guy's name that played Chief on Battlestar Galactica, Aaron something or other. I can't remember his last name. I know you're talking about, but, but I don't remember. You know, he uh, he had the had the you know you you had to pay to get up and talk to him, get an autograph, pay even more if you wanted a picture with him. And I'm just like, he's Chief on Battlestar Galactica. You know, and I get that this is how the celebrities make some money, but those freaking tickets for Wizard World are already pretty expensive. And it seems like if you've got 20,000 people attending, well, for each celebrity, just add a buck, you know? See, I, I just yeah, don't I, understand that. I remember I went to a convention once. This was a tiny little convention, but it's the kind where basically it's uh, this was years ago when the whole point of the vendor room was rows and rows of comics to actually go through unlike now where you're struggling to find an actual comic for sale at a comic book convention and they had uh john delancey was there and if you wanted him to sign anything you were gonna you know have to pay but you could just walk up you know walk up in line and meet him and say hi and without paying anything and you wouldn't get that at one of these bigger pop culture ones you're not meeting him unless you're paying for him and that just it just seems like it ought to be included in your ticket price, but you know I, I guess that maybe the ticket price just gets too unwieldy if you're going to do that. I just I I hate that. It's, it seems so cheap, and uh, I just there's a part of me that's like, man, you guys are kind of living the dream. At least guys like you know uh, you think of Stephen Amell from Arrow, you know, who's got a hit TV show. And don't get me wrong, Paul, I really enjoyed, you know, our, getting our picture taken with Stephen Amell. He seemed like a nice guy. But it just seems a little weird that, you know, here you are, you know, an actor. I assume you probably wanted to be an actor your whole life. You're a successful actor. Shouldn't you just be happy to sign autographs? You know, shouldn't – I mean, your signature, your signature doesn't require uh, you to spend anything other than your time. And yeah, I, I know that your time time is money, but you know, should, wouldn't shouldn't you be building goodwill, you know, by just signing autographs? Well, just and you know what really bothers me, the you go to these conventions and you've got all of this, uh, you know, lines for all the pop stars and the celebrities and all that, and then you go to the artist alley in the creators area, and you see the people that made all of this possible, uh-huh. and nobody is walking up to them to talk to them. Yeah. So it's like I'll have a good half hour, 45 minute conversation with a creator that I'm a fan of and nobody knows who they are. And that is just really sad to me because, I mean, it's if it weren't for these people, the movies wouldn't exist because yeah. the material wouldn't exist. Right. I was at a science fiction convention many years ago, and uh, it was back when you could find science fiction writers at a <laughs> at a comic book convention or a Star Trek convention or something. And one of my uh, an author who had written one of my one, one of my favorite books at the time, uh, Ardeth Mehar, was there, and nobody's talking to her. And I had already been by and said hello and told her how much I enjoyed her book, but I didn't know that, that she was going to be there, so I did not bring my copy of her book with me. And, and the book was uh, uh, Golden Dream, uh, a fuzzy odyssey in the line of uh, H. Beam Piper's uh, fuzzy series. And so I was so I, I was so uh, sad that nobody's talking to her. I went over and I bought a copy of the book that I already own, went over, had her autograph it, and sat and sat there sat there with her talking with her for 20 minutes. And I'm glad I did that, but 
you know, you had these experiences, like you're saying, Wayne, that you know people who are who are you know generating content aren't getting that attention because they're not the the actor, they're not the person you know who is on the screen. Yeah, I had a long conversation with Danny Fingeroth at this last Wizard World. Oh yeah, we talked about Stan Lee, about his time on Spider Man, and all this, and I, you know nobody ever came up the whole time we were talking. Yeah. It's kind of like when Richard Hatch wouldn't let me leave his table. <laughs> thank you, thank you for buying me that talking. game, Paul. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy. <laughs> well, well, go ahead, Paul. Well, I was going to talk about something that I don't know. You know, normally probably wouldn't interest you guys. Well, maybe you, Aaron. But we've talked a little bit about how Hasbro is doing a cinematic universe. You know, that's kind of the, the, the buzzword right now in Hollywood is cinematic universe. They're doing one for the Universal Studios monsters, and then there's Marvel and DC, and, and everyone wants to create some type of cinematic universe. Well, um, Hasbro is assembling a cinematic universe that will combine brands like G.I. Joe, Mask, Micronauts, yes. Visionaries and rom rom wow, mask is still a brand someone other than me remembers apparently <laughs> so uh the reason i want to talk about it is they have hired um and that they have hired like a whole bunch of people to to work on this thing you know the like a core group of writers and, writers and things room. like that yeah they've a writer's, a writer's room. room yeah yeah they've, they've hired a writer's room and um you know included in that i mean there are a bunch of you know uh names people who have worked on things like a beautiful mind and the luke cage tv series the upcoming spider-man film and black panther films um dark tower tomb raider uh but the the key names that i want to talk about are michael chabon and brian k vaughn are part of the writer's yeah. room those are for some, this, uh, those are some names yeah i mean yeah. That, that that's some pretty heavy talent and the fact that we may see a rom or a micronauts movie in the next five to six years i, I I'm I'm super excited about Rom. I'm super excited about Micronauts. I really care less about the rest of it, but I I, I I'm I'm excited about that. Whatever we got to do to get ourselves to a Micronauts and a Rom movie, I'm good with. Yeah, I'm dude, that Rom comic book coming out on Free Comic Book Day. Aaron. Did you see the covers? Did you see the covers? I did. did I the did. Covers? They're hot. Hot. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't wait. I, I just cannot wait. I'm gonna camp out for Rom number zero. I don't know that you need to camp out. <laughs> no, I'm camping out. I'm getting the sleeping bag. I'm Do you want to be big, one or two in line? I'm getting my, my, my big empty mayonnaise jar so I can pee in it. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That seems unnecessary. I think you could just pee in the corner. No, no, no. You got you to gotta keep it in a jar. Yeah. You got you to keep your pee, Paul. God, don't you know yes. He's got to have something to throw on to the person who is number one in line so he becomes number one in line. <laughs> exactly. So that guy has to go home and shower. <laughs> Little does he know that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this week's new releases. Um, Aaron, Tim, you guys read, I believe it's the final issue of Robin, Son of Batman. Next issue is the last issue. Oh, yeah. okay. So this issue was not written or drawn by uh, by regular series guy uh, Patrick Leeson, right? That's correct. So tell me about Robin Son of Batman number 11. And also, I think, pretty notable, it's also not very good. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't hate it. (laughs) Um, But you're right. I think if Patrick Gleason was there, there would have been a lot lot more uh, emotional... Attachment to what was going on. Yeah, I, I think that's the I think that's the one thing that this lacked. Like I thought the art was was suitable. Um, I didn't I didn't you know dislike it, 
but I think Talia sounded a little off compared to Patrick Gleason, you know, writing it. And I thought, um, oh, his his semi girlfriend sister Maya. Maya. I think I think Maya disappearing would have been a lot more like. It would have been a more it would have been a more horrific scene for for Damien to stand there and watch her do that, because the way it was written, it was like she touched it and then he like looked back at his parents and then she's gone or something. And it was like, that's come on, <laughs> like you're worried about Batman. There there was a nice scene, uh, and I say nice in that you know you kind of got the intent of the scene, but uh, it didn't really execute well where. Uh, Bruce jumps in to protect uh, Damien, and he's like, mm-hmm. I've, I've got you, son. And, you know, Patrick Gleason was doing that. You know, you're going, oh, Batman loves his boy. <laughs> you know? Right. But, yep. you know, I mean, there, there was no, there's no emotional weight in this entire book. And that was one of the things I, I really noticed. It also doesn't help that I think we've, we have really worn out this storyline. You know, the, the whole year of blood and whatnot, and I'm just really ready for it to be over. Um, and I, I, I felt that way with Patrick Gleason. I mean, you know, I, I love the guy, but uh, it just it, – it, he, he was kind of finding his his uh, style uh, through this series, which I appreciate. We were, we were watching the evolution of an artist, right? But, you know, when you pull him off – Everything that I loved about the book kind of goes away because none of these seem like the characters that we know. Batman doesn't doesn't sound right, but this should have been a big deal that Batman shows up in the book, right? Um, and it just didn't seem like a big deal. Um, Talia didn't, wasn't voiced right. I don't even think Damien was really voiced right. The only the only character that I felt like was voiced right was Goliath. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the yeah, there he is. Was this the first time you've seen the new Batman costume? I, I didn't even notice. Like, Me neither. I Oh yeah, I that is yeah, I I I did not even notice, but wow, I kind of hate it. Uh, That's a dippy I, little symbol, isn't it? Yeah. And that was going to be my question of what you thought about it. I don't dislike it, but it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see Batman having orange on a costume. He's not really orange in this. He looks yellow to me. Yeah, there's like a little yellow outline of it. Like, eh. It's the – well, maybe they didn't put him in the new costume in there. It doesn't have like orange lines on it not around like, the bat symbol. Uh, it's just uh, outline. No, it looks – yeah, it looks like maybe a, like a lighter yellow or something. I don't know. I don't mind the new costume. It's kind of uh, Batman Beyond-ish. Yeah, it's like, I don't dislike it at all. I like the look of it. It just – the coloring choice is odd to me for a Batman. I think I need to see. Uh, God, who does the justice? Ray Capula. Oh, uh, d- uh, Jason Fabok. Yeah, yeah, I think I need to see someone else draw it, and then once I have like two renditions of it, I could probably give you a better answer. It didn't. It didn't bother me. I just like. I, I don't know. I like this symbol a little more. I, I will. I will renew my request that I need a Goliath plushie. <laughs> I, I just I just love Goliath. If Goliath had his own book, I would buy it. Well, he's moving uh, into that super what is it? Super Sons book. So hopefully we'll see uh, we'll see some merchandise featuring him in the future. Do we recall- we need a Goliath and Crypto team up book? Absolutely. Do we recall who uh, is is writing and drawing the uh, Super Sons book? They have not actually announced that. They just announced that there is a book coming. Because it worries me. Because there's there is a lot of toss up to manga in the art st- styling in this book, and I don't care for it. Uh, 
So I'm 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 hoping that we're not steering that way. And and that seems to be you know when they're telling the the stories with the younger characters, that seems to be the style that they they lean towards. Because you know yeah, the kids your... today and their and their in their manga. <laughs> The kids in that damn manga. Right. No, I'm. Uh, I, I guess to wrap it up, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm looking forward to the end. Um, I, I. I can only hope that he finishes out the book. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, have you seen the the new Damien and um, Jonathan Kent costumes? Like, did at the end of the book, did they have the ad for Rebirth? They had. Yeah. They had it in the. They had it in the middle for the actual physical book. Oh, yeah. okay. At the end of the at the end of the book, um, the end of the DC books I read, there's like a. Yeah, it's got just kind of a line of characters, and yes. so you can see kind of the new costumes of all of them, and so you'll see the the new Jim Lee drawn Batman costume and Superman costumes without the, uh, you know, where they 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 had turtlenecks at the start of the new Fifty Two, and now they're back to uh, kind of a more classic look. But the new Damien costume is pretty sweet looking, and the super I like the uh, Jonathan Kent costume too. Yeah, yeah, I can I can <laughs> add that. Yeah. If, and, it looks and, like he has a bow staff. I don't da- understand that. And I'm sorry, Damien looks a little fancy. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, he just, he just looks a little too fancy. A little yeah. too fancy. Well, you know, he's stepping up his game. Uh, he's got to he's got to impress the ladies now. No, put put the hood back up. Be a little bastard. It's all I want from Damien Wayne. <laughs> Harley Quinn looks terrible, by the way. But I, but I do endorse yeah. the the return of the classic Kid Flash costume. Well, and I return, and I, I like the Superman costume, even though they've gotten even less red in the costume now. Well, and and darker blues. Yeah, but I like it. It's less well, obnoxious it's, than the new Fifty Two. Very. Yeah, very. it doesn't look like armor. Well, speaking of Superman, we have a couple of Superman books this week a to talk about. Yeah, let's start with uh, Max Landis. We are borderline several. That's what I'm. We are. Say. Yeah, several. It is. It is. It is damn near Superman with Aaron and Polly. That's right. So let's talk about the, the Max Landis book, Superman, American Alien number six, came out this week. We've been enjoying the series, but you were a little lukewarm on issue five, the Francis Manipul uh, drawn issue. Yeah. But this issue, uh, written by Max Landis, art by Jonathan Case, features uh, two of Clark's friends, uh, Pete Ross and uh, some other guy. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny something. Kenny, which I'm wondering if, if that's Kenny Braverman. Oh, okay. That that could be possible. Uh, coming to visit Clark in, in uh, Metropolis, and they know he's Superman. So it's kind of how they deal with that. So what did you guys think of issue six? Hit it, Wayne. I was kind of disappointed in some aspects of it. It felt like, like going from issue to issue, there's always been a time jump in this book. But it never felt like I missed anything in the time jump. It's just the natural progression. But in this issue, he's suddenly in a more, you know, more Superman costume when he's Superman. But we never saw him make that transition. Never saw him take off the the goggles or any of that and become more of the normal Superman costume. Well, I think from from my viewpoint, I think it's because we've seen that so many times, right? It seems like they're focusing on items like we don't see his first interaction with the spaceship like we have seen before. We don't see uh, a lot of the same things that we've seen already. It seems like he's focusing on other aspects of the origin story. Um, So that didn't bother me as much. I thought it was very interesting that he finds out he's Kryptonian from Green Lantern's. I don't think that's something I've ever seen before in a Superman story. And Abin Sur. 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was inter- an interesting choice considering like we like we mentioned, you know, in other origin stories he finds out from the shuttle, right? I mean, you know, from the the Kryptonian hologram thing that's in the shuttle. So the, yeah, th- that was a little different. I you know I I liked this book. I liked the writing on it. I was not wild about the art, and you know it's it's one of those things that gets me from time to time where I feel like the artist isn't in sync with the writing. I mean, don't get me wrong. the 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 art is 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 clean and crisp, and uh, you know the artist is clearly talented. But what I think that he hasn't landed on yet is acting. Um, I think that there are a lot of times where it just seems like, you know, Clark is shouting and the dialogue really doesn't support the reaction that you're seeing on the character's face. Um, so there, I can it, agree with that. The uh, the faces just do not tell the story or the emotions very well. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I feel like um, it, it just felt like the the artist just wasn't in sync with the story. And, you know, there, there are some, some artists who are just so good – at the face acting and and the body postures and whatnot, but it seems like Clark has two modes. He's got conversational mode, and then you know arms flailing in the air and mouth wide open, you know, exclaiming something. And I, that, that, I just didn't care for that piece of it. But you know, as a whole, I thought it was a good book. I liked the the different nuances that we get around his character. That you know, he understands what he means to his friends. And his friends are helping keep him grounded. You know, this isn't perfect Clark that we've seen so many times before where he, you know, by sheer fact that he grew up in Kansas and raised by mom, Pa Kent, he is, you know, a, a, a hero long before he becomes super just because he's got that noble character. He he is more human in this book. He is a flawed character, not a tragically flawed character, but a flawed character. And we're getting to see him grow just as we all do, you know, in our, in our teens and twenties, as we're trying to figure out who we are, we get to see that in the pages of this book. And that's what I like so much about Superman, American alien. I agree. You know, it's called American alien, excuse me, but really it's, it's focusing on his human aspects and, and at no point does he, in, in, especially in this issue, does he ever feel super? Yeah. You know, he, he this is this is a kid understanding his his role in the world, and I think that's what the series has been about. Yeah. How does Superman fit in? Yeah. Yeah. What I think Max Landis is really getting on this is the American aspect of it. It's it is much more grounded and down to I'd say grounded down to earth because it's kind of cliche, but when you look at the character himself. He's more grounded than some of the other Superman we've seen, especially around like New 52. He is a little out of place, but it doesn't feel like it's just because he's an alien. Right. You know, it's also because he's a farm boy now in the big city. That's a big part of it, too. He's dealing with celebrity that he's never had in his life before. And it's some of those aspects that I think have been missing from the character in the past lately. Well, and I love that notion that, you know, here he is, young Clark Kent, a young Superman, and he's talking about, you know, I'm not going to do this Superman thing forever. And Pete's looking at him like, are you out of your mind? Of course you're going to be Superman forever. You know, I, I, I like – there are some, some fresh ideas about Superman uh, in here because, you know, Superman – 
that we've always seen is just always kind of emerged into the world fully formed that Superman is who I am. Superman is who I'll be. And this character is like, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to help some people for a while and then I'm just going to go on and be Clark. Yeah. And I've never seen that before. Right. Ever. And and I I love the freshness of the story. You know, I don't know if it was this issue or last issue because I read issues five and six together. Uh I think it was issue five where he talks about how he's going to do a good deed a day. And I'm like, oh. I feel like, like I'm reading Huck now. Like Huck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- 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 it was interesting. Some of the, you know, clearly they had to have been written uh, separately. You know, one doesn't necessarily inform. Well, Superman informs Huck, obviously. But, you know, the stories, these specific stories don't necessarily inform each other because they were written. Uh, but it's just funny, the similarities that, that happened in the same month. It's like Armageddon and Deep Impact. Exactly. <laughs> Well, uh, this is probably a good time not to talk about Huck, but perhaps Action Comics number 51. Yes, sir. So, Paul, tell us about Action Comics 51. (laughs) So, Action Comics number 51 continues the last days of Superman storyline written by Pete Tomasi. Um, This issue features art by Paul Pelletier, who I'm normally a fan of, uh, but I, I feel like maybe his artwork was a little rushed in this issue. For, for, for my taste, it, you know, it's not up to his normal standards. And I also have to say, out of the, the three issues that uh, the storyline has had so far, this has felt like the weakest one to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this issue, we, Superman saves Supergirl uh, from a, a facility where she doesn't need to be saved from. Um, and meanwhile, there's this other character who thinks he's Clark Kent, thinks he's Superman, hasn't been imbued with some powers. Um, there's, there's quite a lot going on in this issue. And uh, for me, it just it, it almost felt like too much and not enough. You know, the the emotional component wasn't there like it has like it wasn't that that first issue of this storyline was was great. Um, this one less so for me anyway. What did you guys think? Hit it, Wayne. So I agree with uh, some of that. I enjoyed seeing the Superman Supergirl conversations though. I think that's where the emotional impact came in once they get past all the setup. I found it particularly interesting that it looks like they're trying to introduce, you know, aspects of the TV show to Supergirl. Suddenly, there's the, uh, you know, Department of Extra, was it Department of Extraterrestrial, whatever the DEO yeah. is in there. That, that that but that's existed in DC Comics. But it, that she's going to Supergirl. work with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That she's going to work with them and all things like that being introduced more from the, the TV show. Uh, I really enjoyed all of their conversation in the Fortress of Solitude. The rest of the issue didn't quite catch me the same way, but I liked that. We haven't seen a lot of that with the Superman and Supergirl. Previous incarnations have gotten really close. They felt like family. New 52 Superman and Supergirl have never felt like family to me when reading them. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's I'm once again, after reading it, left thinking, where has the Superman been the entire New 52? Because this guy is acting like Superman. Yeah. He just has to be dying before he starts doing it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it all comes from the fact that when they when they launched their wrong headed New 52, 
um, they said, well, we don't want we don't want Superman to be anything like Superman was before. Yeah, he can fly, but uh, you know all that whole uh, selflessness, superheroishness. No, we we want we want some douchebag. Uh, uh, you know, hipster guy to be our Superman. We don't. We don't want the Superman that everybody else wants. And now they've realized that that's not the Superman anybody wants. And it, so they're they're making that adjustment, and they'll make us miss this guy when he's gone. Yeah, and I didn't realize that Supergirl was affected as well by the you know the power drain. Mm-hmm. Until yeah, reading I, this, because I don't think Supergirl. we've seen that before. I mean, there there hasn't been a Supergirl comic in a while. Yeah. I haven't seen Supergirl in a while. I think this is basically like this is where Supergirl has been. Yeah. I don't think that, that we've missed anything. I think this is telling us what, why we haven't seen Supergirl in a while. The last time I read a Supergirl book was when she was a Rage Lantern. You know, uh, yeah. I haven't read anything since then. And, you know, sadly, when we were putting our list together today, you know, I said, oh, yeah, let's talk about Action 51. I read that. No, I did not. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I'm, looking at you, I'm looking at the book going, huh, I thought I read this. No, I sure hadn't. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading it later today. Well, I well, definitely Aaron. won't give away the last page then. <laughs> yeah, the last page made the book worth it. And I'm looking forward to the next part of the storyline. But Aaron, did you read Superman Lois and Clark number seven? First book I read this week. Okay, I, this is so, my, this is my favorite book that DC's putting out. I, I love Superman Lois and Clark. So before we get to the interiors, um, what do you think of the John Romita Jr. cover? Um, I, I actually, out of all the John Romita Jr. covers, this is the one I liked. I like this this cover. Um, I will say that didn't look like Superman to me. I think it look that's an, that's an, that is Lois on the cover, but uh, his Superman does not look Supermanish to me. Don't get me wrong; he's a, he's a big heroic figure that he's drawn here, but there's something about that nose that does not seem Supermany to me. Yeah, I would agree with Paul that this was the best of the John Romita covers, mm-hmm. but that doesn't say much. I don't like any of the John Romita covers, but I much prefer the primary cover to this to this book. I agree. The where it's all kind of monochromatic and it's just variations in in light versus dark. You've got Superman fighting the big power armored guy. I think that is a fantastic cover. And I agree with that. Absolutely. So Superman Lois and Clark number seven is now we know a lead up to DC Comics Rebirth as we you know make this our our one and only Superman of the DC universe. Fuck yeah. And so, you know, this is conti- – and, and, you know, lead up to the Super Sons book with Jonathan Kent. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that that makes this book even better than it was when we originally started reading it because now we know where it's going. Um, so what did you guys think of issue number seven? I, uh, Aaron, why don't you go first? I lo- well, because I actually read this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love the flashback scenes of, of young Jonathan Kent, you know, uh, uh, Lois and Clark's son, playing with his action figures. And he's got a Flash action figure and a Superman action figure. And he's he's doing that whole Superman versus Flash race, you know. Who would win? Who would win? And, and you know, Lois is like, well, I think Superman's going to clean Flash's clock. And uh, he's like, well, that doesn't seem fair. Running fast is all Flash has. Shouldn't he be the one? I just kind of loved that. I thought that was great. I love it because it's always been my reasoning. It's like I want Flash to win because that's all he's got. Well, you know, he's, he's got one thing. You had one thing, Flash, and you can't even do that right. Fucking Flash. You're not even the best at that, Flash. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I, I dug this book. You know, this in this book, uh, young Jonathan gets to find out who his dad really is and where they really come from. It's a big ass reveal in this book uh, for for the young Jonathan. We've known it all along, but it's the first time he's found out. But you know, he's known something was up because his powers have been coming around. And they didn't know that he was going to have powers. You know, they, there had been the conversation, I wish there was a specialist that we could take him to. But because even the heroes of the New 52 don't know they're there, they couldn't take him to anybody. It's not like they could just, you know, go track down, uh, you know, um, um, what, Mr. Terrific or somebody to say, hey, check out our boy. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been living on the down low, as it were. Yeah. You know, so how did you feel about the the scene where they revealed that to Jonathan? Because part of me wished they had just shown the beginning and the end, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, OK, well, I know all of this, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that was a good introduction. Maybe that scene they felt was necessary. But, you know, there's a good two pages where he's explaining everything that we already know. Right. Did but that bother like anybody how, at all? No, I actually really liked him having to explain it. That, uh, yeah, it was stuff that we already knew, but. I like that they didn't just gloss over it. That the when he gives her the you know it's complicated. Yeah. That that it really is a complicated thing. It's not as simple as you know some origins. I particularly dug you know Clark has got to get them out of there fast because you know the bad guys are coming to to, to kill Author X, uh, which is Lois, and so you know he flies them out and he flies them out at, you know, great super speed so that they can't see them, right? So, you know, fly them out so fast that they can't be tracked. And he's having to tell them, I know it's hard to breathe, just, you know, it'll be over in a moment. Uh, I, I just, I, I dug that. I thought that was a nice touch, you know? Uh, I like the reveal. I like that, that it was a prolonged family moment and them being amazed at what their son's already figured out and being amazed at the powers that, that Jonathan is exhibiting. Um I love that. I, this this thing this thing is really the Superman book I've, I've been wanting for years now. So I'm I'm really excited that we're going to get to to see more of this develop and we're going to get to see more of these characters. Yeah, all of that father son stuff that you guys have really enjoyed with Batman and Damian in the past. I'm hoping to get some of that with Superman and his son now. Yeah, I I, I think it's a strong book. And I didn't you know in the previous issue I had a lot of concerns about the art. Uh, again, I didn't think the acting was right. I didn't think that the words matched up to what was being drawn on the panel. Didn't have any of that problem in this book. Lois looked like Lois. Clark looked like Clark. Jonathan looked like Jonathan. And they all seemed to be acting appropriately. So I I dug it. I I like this book. I like where it's going. Uh, Super excited about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's only one more issue of this series, and then... You know, I'm not sad about that because I know he's going to have like three additional titles coming soon. <laughs> yeah. So very cool. And, and one of them written by Dan Jurgens, So uh, that's mm-hmm. super awesome. And the yeah, other one I written am, by Pete Tomasi and drawn by Patrick Gleason. Yeah. I am so excited about Rebirth because of some of this. I, th- I think uh, I think we're all there with you. And, I, I, you know, considering when they first announced Rebirth, I was like, Ugh. now I'm excited. Yeah, I, I no, think uh, I am. I'm, I'm really know. excited about Rebirth. I, I I like that DC is aware that they need to do a course correction. Uh, I, I like, you know, we, we've seen some of the direction that they're going, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the DC books. Less excited about Marvel. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, First, 
Let's talk about Huck. Uh, big issue number six hit this week, uh, wrapping up the six-issue storyline by uh, uh, Mark Millar and uh, Mr. Albuquerque. Uh, telling Raphael Albuquerque. <laughs> I just I, I couldn't remember his first name. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, Raphael Albuquerque wrapping up this story of uh, two super entities created by the Soviets, uh, the former Soviet Union, and uh, Paul. What'd you think? Yes, sir. You know, for me, I, I loved this series. I feel like it didn't quite stick the landing for me. Um, and, and I feel like for that, it's because the this storyline wasn't really introduced until issue five. Yeah, yeah late <laughs> um, in the series. Yeah, late in the series. And I feel like it didn't – considering how important this was, basically this is what the series was building up to, an, a, another issue to breathe would have helped. Which, you know, I'm not a fan of decompressed storytelling, but I feel like this was almost a little bit too compressed. The first half was a little was was deco- was great pacing and I loved it. And then the second half was like this barrel run towards the finish. And while don't get me wrong, the, la- the once the main storyline wrapped up and there was this, you know, this last piece, I loved the, the last half of the book. But the you know, the the, the way they wrapped up the the, the key storyline. Yeah, for me, you, was a, felt a little rushed. When you say the key storyline, you're talking about the Russians holding them cap- captive, going to use Huck to breed a whole new race of superhumans. They're going to hold his mother hostage to make him do that, and kind of their escape. That's what you're talking about, right? Correct. Okay. That felt all very rushed to me. And I agree. In fact, the way, the way it was resolved – and uh, this is a criticism of this element, not the series. I love the series. I think the series is fantastic. Uh, very enjoyable. And I think when you read it all together, I think it, it will read even stronger. Uh, but I felt like Huck and his mom solved the problem, escaped, simply because they decided to do that. Right? Yeah. It, didn't, it, I, it did not feel like there was any overwhelming strategy. Um and I, I, or even overwhelming odds. Yeah, it did not feel. In fact, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of watching. Uh, oh gosh, what was it? The the, the recent Batman animated series. Uh, what was that uh, called? Beware the Batman. Beware the Batman. Where we were like, wow, nobody lives in Gotham. Yeah, and that's what it felt like in Russia. It's like, wow, nobody lives in Russia. You know that that. You know they're, they're they're making the point. Well, we got to we got to stick. Uh, you know the scientists that we're trying to 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 uh, protect in this you know random beat down bus so that nobody can find him because they're they're trying to escape. And you know the you know the bad guys are protecting the scientist. And I'm like, but there's nobody else in Russia. <laughs> you know. How are you going to – we're going to hide in this vehicle. When you're the only vehicle getting the hell out of town, maybe, maybe you're going to be a little suspect. Now, of course, none of that matters because Huck can find you wherever you are. All Huck needs to know is that you're you're alive or that who you are, uh, and he can find you. And again, the whole ending just felt like we're going to solve the problem because we've decided to solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. But once that was resolved, yes, the book – Turned back into the book I love. Yeah, it, it returned. It returned to the to the to what you what both of us responded so favorably to at the beginning of the series, uh, where Huck's just a good guy. I love you know his mother's power is to uh, tell you what to do, 
right? She can control your, you know, your, your, your mind and just, you know, tell you to do something. So what she does with the bad scientist guy, who's like, yeah, you burned all my data. You burned all my data, but you know, it's all up here in my head. You can't do anything about that unless you kill me. I'm going to go out and make more of you guys and you'll be back in my cell. And she's like, forget all your science. And so now he's, <laughs> now he's working at the gas station and, yeah. uh, and I thought that was a nice turn, and I've lo- I've liked those little things they've done with her power. I think that's just ingenious. Well, she was a music tutor before Huck found her, and you know she's moving to to um, you know join Huck in his hometown, and you know this little boy's like, but you know you're not going to be here to help me. And she goes, if you practice every day, you'll be fine. And he's like, but what what if I freeze up in my audition? And she touches his head, and she says. You're going to play better than you've ever played before. I insist, and I'm just like that is so cool, you know. <laughs> just, it is. I, I, those are the kind of nuances in this story, and I think that's what Mark Millar is particularly good at: is that he thinks outside, that he he you know he'll take a power and really kind of turn it on its ear. And I, I just I really enjoy that about him, and I enjoyed the way I, I enjoy the way the book ended. I do too, yeah. and so you know I, I I think this is a good wrap up to the series yeah i don't know that i necessarily need a huck to but i would read one well and they've clearly set it up for a huck too yeah yeah so but I, I i very much enjoyed huck um and recommend checking it out i'm sure the collection is probably coming out but obviously all issues are available now yeah good stuff so let's talk about the one marvel book we read this week and let me say that you know i have been uh, very open about how leery i am about the the marvel universe of books post secret wars and this week they had a sale on comiXology's buy one get one and very oh. recent books that they did buy one get one it's, it's going on right now i'm sure it'll be over by the time this episode drops but uh it, it was active this morning when 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 uh, we're, we started recording but um I was looking at, oh, there's that Black Panther book that, that, you know, Paul and Tim were lukewarm on. And Are you serious? That book is already buy one, get one, and uh, it's a $5 book? Uh-huh. Yeah. Damn. Well, and so, so let me tell you what I bought you know, from the, the Comixology sale. I bought Volume 1, the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Fantastic Four, uh, which is the first 10 issues of Fantastic Four. I bought... <laughs> Uh, nice. I bought volume one of, I want to say, uh, The Avengers, which is also Stanley Jack Kirby. And then I bought two other single issue books. They are Poe Dameron and C3PO. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I was looking at that other stuff. I'm like, man, I just don't, I just don't even want to get into it. But the Star Wars books have been so enjoyable. And the only reason I didn't buy Poe Dameron and the only reason I didn't buy C3PO is they were both five dollar books. So I essentially picked them up for two fifty. Yeah. So, but you know, I gotta tell you, if I bought those books at five bucks a week or so ago, I would be pissed that they're already reduced. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, like me. Yeah, like 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 that stinking Paul. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 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 But you know, I noticed that. Uh, I was watching the special features on the Force Awakens Blu-ray, and you know, J.J. Uh, Abrams talks about the C-3PO comic in that uh, in those special features. Oh, really? Yeah. He, I mean, he doesn't talk about it a lot. He just says, "Yeah, you know, we we really wanted to sh- demonstrate with C-3PO's red arm that he's had a life since Return of the Jedi. How did he get that red arm? You'll have to read the comic." Hmm. So I was like, "Huh." Maybe that's one of the reasons they waited on to release the comic. Yeah, maybe. But still. To, to time it with the Blu-ray. 
But anyway, interesting. So, Paul, Darth Vader. Um, I read this. This is issue 19. I read 18 and 19 back to back. And uh, I fucking love this series. You know, this storyline didn't connect with me as much as the, the rest of the series, I will say. You know, I, I the stars in this series are Triple Zero and BT. Yes, I, I and they had some great moments in this book. Yeah, well, and Triple uh, Zero, who is the protocol droid, the evil, torturous protocol droid, um, has the notion. He says, you know, droids are easier to multiply than uh, humans. They are, you know, uh, we they, they're available in in much vaster numbers. They're they're more focused than humans. So why aren't droids running things? Well, the reason is simple. We don't have the force. Humans have the force. That's why humans run things. And you know, he he talks about you know uh, that you know the force you know ignores things that aren't alive. And he's like that bullshit. <laughs> Essentially, I'm calling bullshit on that. The reason why droids don't have the force is we don't have blood. So let's drain all these motherfuckers of their blood, and then the droids will have the force. And I'm like, this is such a brilliant idea, brilliant <laughs> idea. And of course, you know, Darth Vader uh, says, "No, let's not do that." <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm gonna say no. And and, and so what what Triple Zero does is the the their opposing force, this gigantic army of rebels, is coming down the way, and he's got his little droid army there that that Triple Zero is leading. And and he's like, well, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to drain all your blood, you know, but, you know, but but I, we certainly wouldn't do that. I mean, we, we haven't outfitted all of these guys with syringes to drain your blood and just uh, sykes out the opposing army. And I, I love that the droids are death to the meaty ones. It's great. I love this fucking book. See, but those scenes were great, but the overall, you know, and it's funny because I just said the same thing about Huck, but the, you know, the, the, the key story with Vader didn't, didn't catch my attention. You know, I gotta say it took, took me a little while to warm up to it, but I did enjoy the scenes between he and the, uh, Silo and, uh, oh gosh, I forget her name, but the, 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 the scenes with the two other non-Jedis, um, I, I thought that was a great scene. I love it. You know, he he rescued – she gets betrayed by her partner and tossed into the to the river of fire. And, you know, she's like, Vader, help. And it's very reminiscent of uh, Vader's incarnation. And so he pulls her from the fire, and she's just burnt to a crisp but still alive. And, you know, you kind of had this, this moment where, oh, you know, he's going to make, you know, Lady Vader, right? And, uh, no. <laughs> no, he gets the information from her and just, you know, sabers her in half. I just, I, I, I did. I dug the book. I, I think that this, these are the kind of stories you have to tell about Vader because otherwise you're just retreading the tire, you know? So you've got to tell the stories of the people around him or the droids around him. Uh, I dug it, dug it, dug it, dug it. Well, you know. It, it, it for me the storyline didn't necessarily work for me, but overall, you know, I, I do love the Darth Vader series and will continue with it. Yeah. Let's talk about something you didn't love, Aaron. Whew. It was rough, Paul. It was rough. 
So Marvel released a trailer for Civil War 2, not the movie, but rather an ad for the comic book that's coming out later this year. The sequel to Civil War by uh, fan, by Funny Book's favorite Mark Miller and Steve McNiven, um, which, you know, Paul, what were your original thoughts on Civil War? Did you enjoy that series? You know, I loved it until the end. Mm, yeah. I actually liked Civil War until the, until the last issue. I, I, you know, the last issue didn't work for me. I will say it worked better than most of their crossovers uh-huh. um and it's probably their best crossover except for infinity which yeah. again i had i loved until the end i, you I know, don't say this often but i completely agree with paul i you know i really like civil war but i think you have to read civil war and include the issue of captain america that immediately follows it because yeah. I think that's the real ending of Civil War. Yeah, it's a much more satisfying ending. Yeah, and I think that's the that that is the downfall of Civil War is that that issue should have should have been the last issue of that of that uh, telling. And I think most people would have had a better reaction to it. Uh, I I did really you know when I read it in that context, I really enjoyed the first Civil War. So I was a little dubious when you know I heard about Civil War two and Marvel released a trailer. Featuring artwork from the series uh, for Civil War Two, and you know, obviously, you know, a big marketing ploy to have a book with a similar title to the movie that's coming out on May sixth, which is going to take over the world. I mean, the usually the uh, studios will embargo advance reviews until like the week of release, but the reviews, the, the, the feedback has been so favorable. They have re, they have allowed them to go ahead and issue their reviews uh, early on. And, and the reviews have been spectacular for civil war. So here we have civil war two and oh my God, this trailer looks terrible. I, I, uh, let me tell you how I could care less that captain Marvel and iron man are going to face off in civil war two. I just, oh God, this looks terrible. So I, I, so I, I'll come back and share more of my terribleness in a moment. But Wayne, Paul, Tim, what were okay. your thoughts? So I don't like the idea of trailers for comic books anyway. It's kind of like a book trailer. I, when a medium isn't, you know, a big motion medium, I don't need a trailer, if that makes any sense. But yeah, it does. The guy they had. As the narrator oh, was horrible, came off yeah. so flat, <laughs> like an amateur. Like it was like one of us was reading it. Now, 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 easy. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I don't agree. know about that. I, I I agree. I mean, it was like get your digital movie now. Come on over to Force Awakens Digital HD.com. I mean, that's what it, that's what it was like. <laughs> it was it was horrible. I, but you know, I'm not talking about the production value of the trailer. I'm talking about the story that they're setting up. Just seems terrible to me. It's a the, the the notion is that an inhuman is born, created, emerges, whatever inhumans do now, um, and has the ability to foresee crime, to foresee the, the terrible thing that you're gonna do. It's the Minority Report, right? And so the notion is that one side supports this, and that we should we should proactively go out and stop criminals before they commit their crime, before they even know that they're going to commit their crime, uh, before they've even decided to commit a crime, uh, versus those who feel like, no, you have to wait till the crime happens, right? Um, I just, wow, this, this just sounds terrible to me. Well, and once again, they show Spider-Man in the middle being torn apart between the two sides. Yeah, just it's like, like, no, yeah. I'm... Yeah, by all I'm means, done with that. Let's hit the same beats we hit last time. 
<laughs> you know, which is what sequels do. Sequels are they're gonna yeah, hey, this worked for us last time. Let's go back to the same dish, right? Um, so Tim, what did you think? Well, you know, I sort of liked I, I, I like the twist behind why there's a beef. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, it it feels like it's just different enough to to you know hit that right category of a good reason why they disagree and not the same reason as they did before. Like, I, I felt like it was, I don't know, I guess it's hard to explain. It was on par with why they would fight. And I and I, I, I like that. I agree that the guy reading it was pretty terrible. I agree <laughs> that, I agree that I don't think you need a trailer for a comic book. Um, but I, I think I'm good. I actually disagree. I kind of like trailers for comic books. Yeah? Yeah, I, I like them when they're produced well. Um, now, I, I can't think of one that has been. <laughs> but I like the idea. I like that I was able to get that information in a really fast format, uh, which you know, which is what a trailer should do. It's going to give you information and hopefully jazz you. This one did not. Uh, but Paul, Yeah, but I look at that more as a, as a, a summary of the events leading up to the big event rather than a trailer. You know, that, that interests me more. That kind of video interests me more than, like, buy Civil War II. Um, for me, the, 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 I, I'm, I'm already apathetic about Civil War II. Yeah. I feel it's too soon to have a crossover post-Secret uh, Wars. And uh, I don't know. They've, I think they've had a crossover since then that I completely ignored. <laughs> um, you I've know, I, I, some I, of the crossover since then. The, uh, was it Pleasantville? Oh, yeah, the standoff or whatever. Yeah, which actually has been – some of that's been really good, and I thought it was going to tie more into Civil War than it sounds like it is, since it's some new Inhuman that has that ability. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just seems like it's um, it's too soon, and I get it that they are, uh, I get that they are trying to put out something that goes along with the movie with the name, but at the same time, it's. I, I'm apathetic to it. Now, I, that being said, I will likely check out the free comp. Well, the free comp book, they won't give me anything. I will likely check out the first <laughs> issue. So, uh, I'm, I'm I could I could care less about Captain Marvel. I I've liked Carol Danvers' character in the past, but it just I'm not interested in her right now. I'm not interested in the way that they've been telling her stories. So putting her as one of the two main protagonists in this isn't selling me on it. But I will say there's one scene in there in the trailer that shows uh, Ms. Marvel, the Kamala Khan character, mm-hmm. ripping up her poster of Captain Marvel. That was that one, I think, actually was a good inclusion in the trailer. I have to say, you know, I'm a big Carol Danvers fan. Uh, I, I, I love most of her previous iterations. You know, I liked her original costume. I liked the costume she had in the Avengers. You know, I, I, I've liked a lot of her. I love the stories that, that they were doing in her own book that was uh, Secret Wars and Civil War uh, time-in, and even post-Civil War. I love those stories. Um, I was not a big fan of her as binary, but, you know, not that didn't hate it. But I gotta tell you, I cannot stand her current design, and it's I I I have no comment on the the content of her books because I dropped out of her uh, comic, her Kelly Sue DeConnick comic, uh, about two issues in because I really had a hard time with the design. Um, I 
it's not visually appealing to me. And I, I just, you know, it's a visual medium, and man, I just can't bear the the design of that of that costume. She, the and it really, it largely goes to her haircut. You know, she's shaved up on the sides, and I just, I just, I can't bear it. <laughs> I just can't bear it. And I know that they've explained that that so that that helmet fits, you know, because she had that big mane of, of of blonde hair. But I just. I don't care for it, and I know that sounds that sounds petty, and you know, but I just I I look every time I look at it, I'm just man, I just can't, I can't, no. No, she looks she looks she looks terrible. Yeah, she does. Well, you know, don't she, apologize for their bad art choices. She, she looks like one of the Vikings from that show you and I love. <laughs> you know, yeah, but she's, like she's got lamer. Her yeah, it's like, <laughs> like that look like works in Vikings, right? It, it just it doesn't work for her. Yeah, I just ugh, ugh. And, and I hate that I'm saying that because I really, I really want to enjoy that. I like the character, but I just right now I just can't bear the design. So anyway, I am not, I am not picking up Civil War two, uh, and I can't say I, I, I'm not sad about that because I, 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 I don't need another event, and I don't need to get into a bunch of four ninety nine books. So you know, as I said previously. Uh, you know, Secret Wars was going to be a good place for me to jump off of most of my Marvel books, and that's been the case. You know, with the exception of, of a couple of books, I'm not reading anything that's genuinely inside the Marvel Comics universe. You know, I bought Power Man and Iron Fist, which sadly I didn't read this week, but I bought it. Uh, and The Vision, uh, I can't think of anything else. Oh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah. And Doctor Strange is great, and I'm sure he'll get sucked into Civil War too. But you and know. then I'll be out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm just I'm I, I hate to say that I want to be excited about what Marvel's doing, but lately, you know, and it's a phase. It'll, I'll, I'll, they'll do something, and I'll be right back in because that's yep. the, the way it has always been with me and Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I was completely out of DC pretty much until uh, Lois and Clark came out, and. Now uh, all this rebirth talk, and suddenly I'm excited about DC again. But I'll tell yeah. you, Mar- DC makes it a whole lot easier to, to give their books a try when all their new books aren't 4.99, you know, and they're about to return to 2.99 for all their books. Uh, that makes it a whole lot easier, a lot more palatable to give a book a shot. You know, I sat there and I looked at that Black Panther at 4.99, and I'm like, man, as much as I want to read the Black Panther book, I'm not giving it a shot for five bucks. And even though that and uh, there was another book that was that was on that comicsology buy one get one sale. I was just like, no, I don't want to get sucked in. You know, they we go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, no, we can bring that one to you. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not doing Civil War two. What's the same? Maybe Civil just, War three. The search for Iron Man. But just uh, like just like Axel Rose, Aaron don't need no Civil War. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Okay, Paul, what's coming out next week? Well, next week, uh, from DC Comics, we finally get the long-delayed Dark Knight 3 Master Race number 4 coming out. Um, we also get new issues of Justice League, continuing the Dark Side War, and Superman Wonder Woman, continuing the Last Days of Superman storyline. So I'm actually quite excited about uh, all three of those books. Uh, we also get a new issue of Batman number 51. Uh, from Marvel Comics... You know, it's funny, we were just talking about, you know, the, the lack of excitement for some of their titles. Um, kind of a light week next week, Doctor Strange number seven and Doctor Strange, The Last Days of Magic, which ties into 
um, the storyline that's going on in the Jason Aaron, Chris Boccolo, Doctor Strange uh, come out. Hmm. So those are likely the books that we would focus on if we were recording next week. But next week instead, we will be – oh, wait. There's one more book that I want to mention. <laughs> I interrupted my excitement to talk about because because when we come back, I am sure we'll be talking about Micronauts number 1 from IDW Publishing coming out next oh. week. Oh. Oh. Well, you know, we're going to be recording a lot of stuff this coming weekend. Uh, we've got a, a number of games that we'll be recording and releasing at some point on the feed. Plus, I can't imagine that there won't be some drunken podcasting. So uh, lots more fun to come right here, ideologyofmadness.com. And if you've got a question, comment, concern, want to complain about Wayne, as we often do, please give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Paul, Tim, Wayne, I will see you in the end. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.